So why, why does somebody want to sell a partial? What's the advantage to somebody selling a partial? Well, it's similar to a hypothecation where you're just recapitalizing. Um, so a lot of times fix and flippers that do have great margins in their deals and they sell stuff on seller financing, let's say they have a $200,000 mortgage. Um, they sold a house for $250,000. They probably have $150,000 into it. They got a $50,000 down payment. So what's their cost basis now? $100,000, right? Yep. Right. So they have a $200,000 mortgage and they have $100,000 into it. If I just want to repeat and rinse, I would just sell a, a partial of that note that was just created and just make sure I get that 100000 back out of it. And so then I have no cost basis in this mm -hmm. deal. And then I also have the back end of the note that's going to revert back to me sometime, let's say, 10 to 12 years down the road. As always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. I'm Dave Puss from JKP Holdings. Alongside me, as always, Mr. Nathan Turner. How are you? Good day. Good day. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So uh, things are progressing. We're uh, doing some more stuff. It's been a crazy summer. I think everyone I've talked to has been overwhelmed with stuff. Um, <laughs> it's just been August and September has been a killer for everyone. I think just a lot of stuff. But how have you been? Every year, you know, get into summer and then it's juggling family vacations and work and just trying to keep up on everything. Uh, travel, all this, that. But no. You know what? It's all good. <laughs> it's yeah. all part of life. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids are getting older and stuff like that. Um, and in nude space, we're, we're always transitioning. Right. And that's one thing I think a lot of people and for us, you know, been around since 2010 and whatnot. It's hard for us to adjust too, um, because what we did for years, we have to adjust. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Uh, we have to be more creative and whatnot. Um, yeah. Not in the same different. way. Not in the yes. same way. It's interesting. So last week I was at the IMN conference uh, in Dana Point and it's an NPL conference. And it was, it's really interesting. You know, you go to a, a non-performing loan conference and it's, I, it's in a way you kind of get the feeling like, is this still relevant? Like, yeah. or is, is it worth doing a whole conference just about non-performing notes? Mm. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. You know, like uh, it's the same. There's still a lot of opportunity there but it's not the same opportunity it was even five years ago. And so yeah. you just, like you say, we've got to learn and adjust and figure out what else we can do. And on the flip side, we've put a focus on the last nine months now. Uh, we've been doing these webinars for over two years and we put a real emphasis on the seller finance originators doing it correctly, but also thinking about different ways that they can do things better to increase their returns. Yeah. Um, not only creating it correctly, but also doing the exit strategy options, because I think a lot of times they don't talk about that on the other side. And the non-performing world is going to be really interesting because if we do have a bubble, most of the people who've originated notes in the last two, three years haven't seen what we saw for 10 years. No, exactly. Exactly. So, it's, been, it's been a shift. <clears throat> and change is good, in my yes. opinion. You know, I, I like going and doing different things and figuring out what else you can do and how else you can do it. 
Absolutely. keeps it fresh, keeps it interesting. Uh, and so it's, it's been good. It's been fun to try to figure out different ways that we can do notes. Uh, Cause yeah. there are so many different ways that you can do this business. So we're just pivoting to something else for now. Absolutely. Um, I think for most people, we, we get what they're trying to do and we just want to help them, right? Yeah. If we can help them make a win-win situation, uh, if it's through, you know, lending, borrowing money on their notes through hypothecation, which we've done webinars, if it's also doing um, these ideas of doing these wrap notes and doing them correctly so that if you don't get caught by the, you know, the courts and whatnot, yeah. um, learning how to do servicing, learning how to do a payment structure. Um, we've done due diligence calls. We've done a lot of different calls. And one of the most fascinating things that is chat about is the fact that the old school numbers are the key to our entire space. Right. It all goes right. back to math. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, you know, I think I've this week, I think I've said to half a dozen people, I wish they taught the the financial calculator in high school. Like this yes. is the calculator we should be learning, not the scientific in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So You're I was even right. saying to my family, like, I'm going to volunteer. It, it won't be this year. I don't, <laughs> it's too late. Yeah. But next year I'm going to volunteer to go and teach to have a clear career and life management class. So I want to go and volunteer to teach at least one class, I would do a whole week on the financial <laughs> calculator, show them how it's done. Yeah. And just, yeah, this is how you can make this work. And this is, this is something you're going to use for the rest of your life. Absolutely. If you are interested, I do have a course on advanced calculator, but we also have a bigger breakout in our advanced class that we'll be restarting up in a few months. If you're interested in that, let us know. But what we've also learned the fact that in numbers, right, we have our PV, our financial calculation, our present value, our term, our interest, all those numbers come into play when we buy and sell a note. Yeah. The caveat is that you can manipulate those numbers. And what most people don't realize is that on the buy side and sell side, you can manipulate those numbers very easily for those who are not sophisticated enough to understand. Yeah. And in the, in the world where we're talking today is this idea of you can sell a part of a string of payments and get a return in your IRA or any money or even get started is fascinating. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah. Well, oh. probably the, the, well, it's going to say the only thing more interesting than the fact that you can trade notes is that you can trade part of a note. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> it's mind blowing that there are so many different ways you can do this business. And I think people, when they realize <laughs> um, what, what we mean by that is like, listen, guys, just understand that when you're doing this stuff, you are literally able to do anything you want to know as long as the numbers work out for you and the, and the buyer. Mm -hmm. But just be really careful when you do this, because when you do this and you run the numbers, you have to understand what the numbers mean. Uh, there are some really cool tricks to trade that we've talked about in the past um, that you can, unless you look at each individual number, you can manipulate numbers by excluding one, right? If right. we do the 50-50 where you're selling half the payments for half the UPB, and people say, well, that makes sense. And you realize it equals to a 16% return on average. Whoa. And if you do quarter by quarter, you're looking at 32s and stuff like that. It, yeah. You have to understand it. And with note investing, there's an advanced strategy with notes, right? And partials, which is fascinating because when the notes come out, you want to buy 12 months, 60 months, 
whatever, 10 months of payment, or if you want to sell it. So for sellers, this idea of having a partial is really key mm -hmm. because maybe you don't want to pull out all your money. You don't want to get rid of the whole note. Maybe you just want to get part of it and get some capital back in your pocket and start going again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know what, this is such a fascinating topic and I'm glad we're getting into it, into it today. Yeah. Uh, in fact, this week, uh, my wife and I were going through the, the agenda and the sponsorships and everything for, for DME coming up next June. <laughs> we're still several months out, but uh, we've actually included in there uh, something about partials. We want to dive deeper into that hypothecation uh, yep. and some of these more advanced strategies that maybe we don't talk about as often. So expect to hear more about this because it, yes. this is, we'll cover it today. We've covered it before. This yes. is not the end of this topic. Yeah, this will go on forever, um, which is awesome. So before we let our, our guests of honor on here, um, feel free to put all the chats. We're live on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or X, whatever it is. And this will be recorded and put to YouTube. So make sure you take a look at that or and or our podcast. Um, one of the other things I want to say is that this is the first time we've actually had a guest on twice, which is fascinating to me i'm like holy goodness um this space is extremely small we all know each other um but it is absolute pleasure uh to bring justin on here uh justin i've known for a long time he's been a quiet guy in a space but he's a wealth of knowledge um be sure as we get justin on here if you get on a phone call with justin he will speak exactly your level but if you need to go and learn He's absolutely a great guy to speak to as well. Justin, welcome, man. How you been? Thank you very much. I've, I've been doing great. It's been a great summer. And I was listening to you guys uh, talk back and forth. And yeah, summers, when you have family and you have kids, right? It's just a whole different dynamic of the summer. You don't really get any time off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just tough. Yeah. yeah. So we always start with our basic questions. So Justin, how did you get introduced to real estate, note investing yeah. and how did it all begin? Yeah, this is this is the most famous question when you get you get asked this. <laughs> Anybody you meet off the street, how in the heck? Why do you do what you do and yeah. you know, all that stuff? Yeah. So, I was just like anybody else. I was fascinated with HGTV, and I really wanted to be hands on with taking a house, you know, fixing it up a little bit, True. reselling it, making some money, and and I thought that could work for me. So I took some seminar classes, and I started just doing this full time. I I fired my W-2 job and flipped some houses, took them down to the studs, had some rentals, did some wholesaling deals and had some rentals because of it as well. And I just, I fell flat on my face a couple of times, lost a bunch of money. It's like mm -hmm. this, what am I doing wrong? This isn't working for me. And then I just kind of fell into um, investing in notes with, um, with my future mentor. I, I went through a program called Note School. And they kind of just turned the light bulb on for me really quickly and realized, you know, like you guys, you love spreadsheets just like I do. And I can look at a tape and I can analyze it pretty quickly and figure out what I want to make on a deal. Mm -hmm. And I can learn a lot, a lot about the risk pretty quickly uh, without going into too much due diligence. And that's what I like to do. I don't want to have to depend on contractors and having contractor turnover <laughs> and yeah. opening up a wall and finding out there's another code violation I have to fix. I mean, you the list goes on and on. I don't know why people flip houses. To be honest with you, I don't know. Yes. But I did it. I tried it. I failed at it. God bless anyone that's figured it out and can make a lot of money with it. I just don't, I, I couldn't do it. So yeah. uh, this is where I landed and I am much better off where I am today. 
I'm with you, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, landlording became a nightmare for me as well. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of what we do is, as me and Nathan, we say, we're lazy investors. <laughs> we, you know, we sit behind a chair um, and we crunch numbers, right? We're bank. Yeah. And banks work in not in properties. I was a little real last night and they couldn't get the grasp that we're all about numbers. It's all we are. It's a numbers game, making decisions. Does the borrow, can they reperform? If they can't, what can we do about it? Right. It's numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's oddly enough, somewhat complicated to get and started with notes because of the fact that the numbers aren't taught in school, like Nathan said earlier. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your first understanding of these five big numbers, right? Um, the financial calculator. And what does it mean to you now? How do you use them? Well, I loved how Nathan talked about teaching this to his local uh, schools and stuff, because I actually thought about doing that too. But if you get to that first, I'm going to send my kids out to Canada to where you're teaching at so they can <laughs> learn that stuff from you, Nathan, because that'd be great for them to sit down for a week because I've tried to do it and they don't want to listen to dad. At all. <laughs> no, I, got, no. I got a 10 and 12 year old girl and uh, they're too busy with uh, other things going on in their life than to learn about making money <laughs> or being financial savvy. Yeah, you're exactly right. The financial calculator is not taught. You can be involved in real estate very heavily and still not understand a financial calculator, you can get to the note business. And this is a foreign language. It's a foreign language to you until you get taught the right way, how to do it, how to understand it, how to leverage it, how to manipulate it in your favor, uh, whether you're buying or selling. And it's a beautiful thing. But once you learn, as long as you got, you know, the three variables, you can solve for the fourth. And that's just the key to to what I learned. So I I always solve for term. I never put the term in there uh, just because the term is always inaccurate from the beginning to end. You guys know the drill when borrowers make payments early, late or on time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Screws up the AM schedule. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And Um, it's a fascinating thing. And really, I think I learned it like my, my lesson, my first lesson on it was like in a, in a, conference that I was at, uh, for an hour, maybe two. And then after that, it's just practice, practice, practice. And then you get all kinds of crazy and you start making a spreadsheet like Dave and yeah. <laughs> you take it to like some kind of <laughs> level of <laughs> complications. Yeah. You, what, what's the old, old term, you know, analysis paralysis. That was yeah. me at first. I was just like, Absolutely. Oh my God, like there's so much I can do with the spreadsheet now. And then, <laughs> and then I just had to simplify. I said, Nope, yeah. I cannot go down that path. I got to be speed. Uh, sure about what I'm doing and understand, you know, a lot of people try to run numbers in their head and they can get, you know, within the ballpark of what they're doing, but you can't really get accuracy until you run a calculator. Right. And I always run a calculator, even if I know the simple answer to it, uh, just because I like to deal with pennies, you know, up to the penny. Um, I'm, I'm becoming more of an accounting um, centric mind right now. Sure. Because I've been drilled by my accountant and by, you know, our, our fractional CFO that helps us out about running the numbers and understanding the, the reports and stuff. So I, I've, I've continued to strive to be more diligent. So I'm always going to run it to like, you know, the, the hundred thousandths decimal on some of this stuff, just so that I have some accuracy with it. Because I, I honestly, I want to know what I'm making. I want to know what I have into it. So. And then there's times too, where I, I think it's a simple answer and I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is. And then I'll run it in the calculator and then I'm off. And I go, oh, yeah. oh, I'm glad I ran the calculator. I forgot <laughs> oh, about okay. that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a, incredibly useful tool. I've got it on my computer, on my desktop, my laptop, on my phone, like it's everywhere. And so I, and I use it daily. It's it's a huge part. So Justin, we've talked to, I'm sure you've seen us. We've talked a lot of, and you're involved in this heavily too, is a lot of these seller finance originators, right? 
Um, and what they don't realize is that first they have to learn how to structure a note correctly, make sure it's underwritten, make sure that the paperwork is solid, right? Make sure the terms and stuff of that is inside that note and that they create something with an attorney alongside them and ensure the fact that this legally is something that they can sell or foreclose on. How, in your experience, what have you seen with these seller finance notes that people are watching who have just recently created a note or are doing that? What mistakes have you seen with them with the paperwork and you say, I can't buy it because of X, Y, and Z? Um, there's There haven't been too many instances where I couldn't buy it because I've learned from my mentors how to fix things through title. And before I buy it, I can just wipe the slate clean and just have them sign a new note. So mm -hmm. in that essence, you know, I, I've been able to work around it, but the most common things I see are just simple errors that maybe not heavy real estate attorneys, you know, draft these documents. They're just kind of a little bit in real estate and they'll draft these documents and they'll forget to put what's the first due date. They'll forget to put what's the maturity date. Mm -hmm. They'll forget to put, or they'll, or they'll concatenate the principal and interest and taxes and insurance into the payment. And so, you know, I, I look at it and I'd be like, is, is a judge that's not in our space going to look at this and read it and understand it quickly because that's what he's going to discover. And I'm going to be on the opposing side of it. Yep. I want to make sure that he's going to see quickly that he can read it and enforce it and understand it quickly. So that's probably the most common things I see. Are you typically um, going back and rewriting that note with the borrower and getting it cleaned up? If, if it's necessary. Yeah. So I'll work with the seller and say, Hey, look, just so you know, X, Y, and Z are wrong. You know, obviously I'm also doing that to try to lower the price as well, mm -hmm. but in all actuality, we do need to have good paper. Yes. And it's, it's for the borrower's benefit as well, because the last thing you need is, is for the borrower to, to hold out payment on you. Uh, Cause it, honestly, it just costs more time and money. I'd much rather them be happy and just cash flow it and pay it on time every month than I would for them to try to fight it. Absolutely. Yeah. So what we're talking about today has been something that people get confused on often. Um, could you break down in, in simple terms, what is a no partial for those who either want to sell it? Yeah. Why would they sell it? What's the advantage, <clears throat> advantage of selling it? And for a buyer, what's the advantage of a buyer who wants, you know, you may only buy a partial for five grand. Why would you do that? And what's the keys to it? Those are all excellent questions. And to answer the first part of your question, you know, kind of what is a partial? And I'm a very literal person. So my business partner and I, we always, you know, go back and forth because he's really loose with the terms that he says. And I'm very accurate and literal with him. So I'm always like, no, that's not what you said. And he's like, no, this is, that's what I said. So when you talk about a partial, it's not a fraction of a note. It's not fractionalization. It's literally, if you take an entire AM schedule, 30 years, and like you said before, we'll just cut it in half, 180 payments, and I want to buy those 180 payments. Well, that's what you're looking at. You're buying mostly interest and very little principal on the beginning part of that of that note. Mm. So you're just buying a part of the entitlement, I guess is a better way to put it. So that's what I say a partial is. Sometimes people think of a partial like, oh, it's a $1,000 payment and I'll get 750 of it. That's not a partial payment. That's a fractionalization. And that's mm -hmm. not what we do. That's That would be a security uh, a secure, an so let's clarify that. I mean, if you do a thousand dollar payment, you do 500, 500, that's fractional where a partial is more a number of payments yeah. period of time. out of the full yeah. term. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, think of the of entire entitlement and I'm just buying a part of that entitlement and we'll call right. that the partial. 
because you're yeah. getting the entire thousand dollar at the at the payments a thousand dollars a month. I'm still getting it for 15 years. Just on 15 year one month, it goes to the other. It goes back, reverts back to the other person, and they get that thousand dollars going going forward. So why why does somebody want to sell a partial? What's the advantage to somebody selling a partial? Well, it's similar to a hypothecation where you're just recapitalizing. Um, so a lot of times, fix and flippers that do have great margins in their deals and they sell stuff on seller financing. Let's say they have a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Um, they sold a house for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They probably have $150,000 into it. They got a $50,000 down payment. So what's their cost basis now? $100,000, right? Yeah. Right. So they have a $200,000 mortgage and they have $100,000 into it. If I just want to repeat and rinse, I would just sell a, a partial of that note that was just created and just make sure I get that $100,000 back out of it. And so then I have no cost basis in this mm -hmm. deal. And then I also have the back end of the note that's going to revert back to me sometime, let's say 10 to 12 years down the road. But we all know it's probably going to pay off earlier than that. So we'll get sure. a big boom before that. So these guys can just take that money and just go reload and do the next project and just keep on building up those little tails, as we call them. Yeah. In the future, you just get a big burst of income. Oh. Um, which is so nice what's your too. experience? So I've I, this is something I ran into recently. What's your experience with... Um, People who say, well, I just want to sell, like I'm the the idea of a partial uh, is troublesome to them because they don't want to take it back after a couple of years. They just want to be done with it. How, how do you get around that? What's your experience with that? I'll buy another, <laughs> another partial. <laughs> there you go. True. So most people don't realize that if I buy five years of a partial, right, and there's 10 years left, I can buy the second five years after it's done, you know? Yeah. And Oddly enough, sometimes you make more money that way. Oh, you're leap, leapfrogging yourself yeah. down the schedule. So it's it's the opposite of us as a consumer having a mortgage and leapfrogging it down the schedule by paying extra payments per month or per year mm -hmm. and having a 30-year mortgage go down to you know nine years because we just leapfrog down the AM schedule. So we're doing the reverse of that from the bank side, and we're only buying a little bit at a time because – future cash flow, you know, is much cheaper to buy it in the future than it is buying it today, you know, because you'd have to get a bigger discount. So it works both ways for the buyer and the seller. So the partial does. So if somebody yeah. doesn't need all that cash today and they can survive with just the cash flow and they could have, you know, tax ramifications could be greater if they took all the money up front as opposed to having it stretched out over a longer period of time, like an installment sale. Mm -hmm. So those are the advantages for the person selling the partial. Um, the the best way I feel to do partials is really in your retirement account, because then again, if you're using cash, you just kind of you have that cash, you know, future cash out there, that profit. I just I like it better in the retirement account itself, and I like hypothecations with cash doing it that mm -hmm. way. So let's break that down. One of the biggest things that we run into with partials is this conversation between the hypothecation slash partial. If that partial defaults in year three of five. What are some of the ways that that gets resolved or maybe doesn't get resolved? Maybe the buyer of that partial has to foreclose on it. What are some of the ways you've seen both in the seller and the buyer side of when something in a partial goes bad? Well, it all comes down on how I document the partial sale. So if I have a loan and I want to sell one of you guys a partial of it, um, I'm going to make sure that I stay in control of the deal. And I'm going to say, if things start going wrong, I'm either going to buy it back from you 
or I'm just going to handle the foreclosure and we're just going to ride this ship together. Um, if I am buying the partial, again, I want to be in control of the deal because I'm typically the note professional and the other person is usually, you know, a novice note investor. Sure. And so I'll help guide, guide us down the, the best way to get the most return. So it's all on the paperwork. What are some of the options you've seen? What, you know, have you seen the fact of the buyer typically doing the foreclosure or are you doing things like a buyback or, or some kind of different strategy of getting involved and fixing it? What are some of the options that note sellers who are out there or note buyers could possibly see? All, all the above. It's the beautiful thing about our business is that the documentation is making the rules and every, as long as everyone understands the rules and they accept them, we can, we can have whatever language we want in there, as long as it's, you know, a legal, legal buying, binding document. So it's, it's really up to you. The most common thing that I've been taught um, by Eddie speed is, you know, he already has documentation that he's been figuring out for years. So he's, he's helped me and, and his students with figuring out the best ways to be, you know, as a buyer of a partial, versus being a seller of the partial. And they're two completely different agreements to where, like I said, it's about control. Like if you're the note right. professional and you're the one that has the most knowledge, you just want to make sure you're in control of that deal, uh, whether you're on the back end of it or the front end of it as the buyer. Yeah. So you said front end and back end. Mm -hmm. What is defined front and back? Is it a time period? Is it, yeah. is it just defined by the contract? What's a front end and what's a back end? So loosely, we're just, we're going by the amateurization schedule. And if you just have two people involved in a partial, what I just said, the front end, the back end, I'm just talking about whoever is getting the next set of payments is the front end investor. And whoever gets the future payments is the back end investor or the tail, as we also call it. Yep. Uh, some of the servicers that service these partials, they, they call it something different. Uh, for example, FCI is one of them that we use for partials. And they'll say, uh, the primary investor is the investor at the back end, but the partial investor is the one at the front end. So they'll have different or secondary investor is the one on the front end, which is kind of unlogical for how you would think, but that's just yeah. how they do it. So gotcha. It makes sense. I guess the the original note holder mm -hmm. versus the partial note holder. Yeah, yeah, it's it. true. Yeah. Technically the secondary person came in and bought it after the yeah. fact. So so is there an advantage? And also, I'm sure you mean to say is also you can buy balloons too. So just you can buy any part of a note you want yeah. to. Why would someone buy a front end versus a back end? Where's the advantages on that? So the reason why I would buy a front end of a partial is because typically it's going to be significantly less risk for me because I'm only invested in a fraction of, well, I won't use the word fraction, of a part of that entire value of that property. So if that property we we're just talking about for $250,000 and I had $100,000 into it, I'm I'm very well protected, right? Mm -hmm. So if that property needs to be turned over, it's going to be worth well more than 100k. Um as the front end investor, I'm the first money in, first money out too. So it's sure. it's a lot lower risk and potentially it's going to be a, a little bit higher yield as opposed to buying the entire note. Okay. Uh, because the discount isn't as great on the partial to the person um, selling it as it is when they sell the entire paper. So you're just thinking about future payment streams and sure. the more the payment streams you buy in the future, obviously the larger the discount is and the fewer payments you buy, the less that discount looks as well. So let's break that down a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to buy it, there's 
15 years left of payments, but I want to buy year five through year 10. I have, obviously I'm paying a morbid discount because it's future money, right? What happens if that note pays off in year three before it even gets to me? Well, I probably wouldn't be buying the partial that way. I would only want to buy it when the next payment due is the one I'm going to receive because I don't want my money tied up, you know, obviously until the future. I guess you can do that. I've never, I never tried to do that, but sure. that would be my, probably my, my, my counterattack to what you just said. So you're saying is that I agree to pay five through 10, but when it gets here, when it gets to year five, then I'll make payment. Is that more accurate? If you wanted to do that, I, like I said, I don't know, unless I'm not understanding what you're saying, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would be buying year year one through 10 up front. Sure. And then in the future, if I only bought like year one through five, and I'd be like, okay, on year four, hey, look, like you mentioned before, yep. Nathan, you know, this is how we would just keep buying more of a partial so they could get. And we've offered that deal up front. Like here, here's yep. optional payments, right? I can buy mm -hmm. the third of it today. A third of it in seven years from now, and then a third of it, you know, 12 years from now. I, I'll just keep buying it down for you. So I'll give you more than you want for it, yep. right? Because I'm buying it in thirds, but I'm also separating, you know, every seven years, I'm buying another chunk. So when you run the financial calculator, you realize, wow, I can pay more for it. And I'm actually making more money because my money, I'm only buying seven years of payments at a time as opposed sure. to buying 21 years of payments. So mm -hmm. for those who are not familiar with, can you explain the different schedules? There's three schedules and a partial. What's the three schedules that are most common, the A, B, and C? Yeah, so you always have the borrower's amortization is what they go by, right? That's how they bought the note. That, or, excuse me, that's how they got the note created and they signed on it. So that's, that's the one amortization. We'll just call that A. Uh, the second amortization would be us as discounted note buyers buying the entire note at a discount. So we would obviously, let's say that $200,000 mortgage we bought for $150,000. So we have a new amortization based on 150,000 to zero. All right, the same amount of years, same amount of terms, same amount of months, it's just we're stretched longer. So mm -hmm. then there's more um, uh, principal being paid down quicker as opposed to the borrower's amortization where the, the principal's paid down a lot slower. So now, we have the third or the C amortization, which will be selling a partial of it. So again, you're just taking whatever the balance that you're paying at, and you're just gonna have you're just gonna amortize it down to zero on however many months you are in the deal. Cause we're assuming most loans are just going by month as opposed to quarter or annual payments. So as a seller of a partial, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to sell the front, the back? What do you typically prefer? Well, I'm gonna sell the front of it and keep the back, the the my retirement account is is built for it. And I, I would think most people that do this would agree the retirement account is really the best play for the partial yeah. uh, because you can't touch that money anyways. And mm -hmm. if you're not going to retire for 10 to 15 years, what better time now than to start when you know, you're know 50, 55 years old sure. and just start selling off notes that are in your retirement account for you know selling off 10-year partials. Yeah, amazing. So for a new investor or a new originator, it sounds like this is an easy way to buy and sell notes, right? Um, get some of the money. You can hold the note for long term. And you're not really letting go of the note as a note seller. Right. You're still kind of managing it that if it goes bad, you jump back in there and kind of fix things up if you need to. Um, and a note buyer, you're kind of hands off. It's a performing note, but a, basically a seasoned investor kind of backing you up and walking through if something happens. They jump back in there and kind of solve the day, yeah. save the day kind of thought process. It's um, when I was doing a lot of 
flipping notes and brokering notes a few years back, that's typically how I would educate somebody new to the business to get into it is to buy mm -hmm. a partial because I'm like, your risk is significantly lower. Yes, you're not going to make as much yield as you would as you would want uh, to buy the full loan, but your risk is really low and it's your stepping stone. And guess what? I'm tethered to you now or mm -hmm. Dave or Nathan is tethered to you now to where you have someone experienced that has skin in the game with you. And that's the best way to learn is, is to be with somebody that has skin in the game that knows what they're doing. You can learn a lot. I wish yeah. we all could have had somebody like that, you know, when we first started. Uh, well, I'll speak so, for myself. I, did, I didn't have anybody that was buying the, um, selling me the partial at the beginning, but I also I had specialized note training. But, you know, if I didn't, I would definitely want to have somebody there with me that was, that sure. had skin in the game. So then what are some of the pitfalls? Like what are some of the risks involved with partials? Well, as a, as a note professional selling it to somebody, I've got to stay on top of managing it. If things go wrong and be there to help the, the, the person on the other side of the transaction, if something goes bad, it'll be a teaching moment for them and be on top of it. So it's, it's great to run partials on the calculator and the numbers look great. And conceptually, you know, once you get past the foreign language of this, it looks pretty easy to do. The second battle is finding somebody to buy that partial or mm -hmm. finding, finding uh, somebody to sell that partial to you. And, you know, so there's a whole nother game to that. So it isn't something that you can just flourish and do a hundred percent of the time. It's just something that when, when it fits, you should do it. Yeah. And that's what we learned in this note business is like, there's no one tool we use every time we know 28 tools and we just <laughs> figure out which tool we need to use for that job. Yeah. yeah. With that investor. What can you expect as a note buyer that are probably pretty new? What kind of expectation is partial selling at? It, it depends on the, on the, the, the time of the decade, right? So when I first got into this business pretty heavily, it was about 2016 and the, the note partial for a first time investor, the going uh, partial rate was typically around like the six to 7% yield. Um, as interest rates got lower, we noticed that people were able to buy uh, partials and stuff at around 5%, if you can believe that. Wow. And then now, typically, I'm seeing that probably like the 7 to 8% range is kind of common right now. So mm -hmm. for the first-time investor that doesn't have a lot of experience, um, that doesn't know what they're doing, that's typically what they're going to pay for a partial mm -hmm. because they're just looking for that steady, eddy passive income. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, more seasoned person, more advanced person is going to be looking for a bigger uh, appetite there because they're more active in the business and this is their full-time job uh, like myself and you guys so we'd be looking for a different return obviously yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome so when we talk about notes and, and no partials um one of the most common questions we have is what happened with servicing right what 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 is that what happens there people get kind of flustered right because they're brand new they don't understand it or even a seller is like hey listen i don't want to move do no parcels typically stay at the same servicer so they're not every servicer that i know of in our space that we all common low commonly know i don't know if they all service partials i've only heard of a few of them doing it and doing it well so i just kind of stick to the ones that i know that that do it well and so just for example because i know fci does a couple of our partials um they 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 know how to do it. I mean, they, yep. they get in there and they understand the amortization schedule. They know how many uh, payments that I'm owed and they know how many payments 
the other person's going to get on the back end and they run, they run multiple schedules. Like you mentioned the three schedules, they, they go ahead and run a schedule for everybody. Mm, yes. Yeah. Nice. That's good. So we have a question from Joe. Okay. Um, relative to the standard full note, how much faster or slower is it to sell or buy a parcel? So I guess if you're going to sell a note or buy a note, that mm. process, what is, is it faster or slower to do the same thing with a partial? I think it's a little bit slower to buy and sell a partial because it's even more foreign to somebody as opposed to buying or selling a full note is another layer of complexity on it. Sure. Um, so that's what slows it down. It's the explanation and them trusting the fact that this, when, when somebody explain something to you for the first time and they want you to buy something you're just like you know whoa i, I need more research yeah. right mm -hmm. the same thing happens when you're trying to explain a partial to somebody sure. they're gonna they're gonna get um you know rejection hands come up real quick like well I, I i don't i'm not ready for this even though it may seem too good to be true on the risk and the rate of return but yeah so it typically will be just a little bit slower it's because of the explanation factor and then what happens have you had a problem with when that note finalizes the term giving that note back to the buyer or taking it back taking it back from the buyer or giving it back to the seller what typically is that process to make sure that that transfers back to the original note holder servicer 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 it comes down <laughs> to the servicer that yeah. servicer just needs to know exactly what's going on and then you as the the, the you know the CEO of your own business you need to make sure that your vendors are doing what they're supposed to do so just have mm -hmm. some sort of uh, you know notification on that timed event when it's supposed to happen or about when it's supposed to happen so you can make sure everybody understands what to do surfaces do a great job but at the end of the day you're just you that's one loan of the you know ten thousand they have in their facility so you just mm -hmm. got to help you know make sure stuff happens the right way um, the best the best news you ever get is when your bank account just gets a lot bigger and you don't know why. And you're like, okay, I like that hit, but what yeah. just happened? Yeah. Um, so, so it's happened for those before. Are, those are not clear. <laughs> it's the same process to buy a partial. There's a purchase sale agreement. All those things, yeah. parts are the same, right? And you want to make sure you run value on the property because you may be in a spot where it defaults and your agreement says you take care of that foreclosure. So it's not always cut and clear, right? So you make sure you do your o and &E, do all your due diligence. However, you have someone in the back end to say, listen, I'm kind of stuck on the O&E part. Can you look it over? And typically a seller who wants to cash out some of their proceeds will have no problem walking through the stuff with you guys. Because yeah. they're going to get fund up money in their hands so we can move forward. So good question, Joe. I appreciate you jumping in there. Yeah. Um, with note partials too, there are a lot of questions regarding um, what is the uh, typical process for them to sign up with a servicer does it typically change servicers but from my experience i would keep the same servicer as that because one of the most common issues when borrowers default is when their loan changes hands to a yeah. servicer so keeping with that servicer no notifying if you're a seller out there that servicer will inform you as well as your note buyer of what's going on if something happens so they'll notify both parties and both parties usually have access to that portal, that, right. that the back end stuff, so they get notified of that. We've bought and sold partials before. It's a great way, I think Justin's point on, in your IRA, because technically you're just sitting there collecting money. And you just, if something goes wrong, you can work things out that way. 
Um, it's it's better than a performing note because you have someone you can rely on. And sometimes you can get cashed out, right? We've done it where we've taken the asset and we had to foreclose on it. We've also done the other way. The seller may actually be willing to buy you out based on your UPB. Um, another point, just to re-emphasize re it, the Schedule C tells you how much is payoff. So if that loan pays off during that partial, guess what happens? You literally are going to get paid. The buyer of the partial get their UPB and you get the remainder as a seller, which mm -hmm. works out for everyone. Um, it's amazing this isn't talked about more, but what we found, me and Nathan talked about this before, we don't see a lot of parcels for sale. Do you think it's people not understanding it or people uh, not? I got an answer for this one. I Let's got an answer it. for this one. Yeah. The reason why people don't buy partials that often, I think, in our business is because, um, well, I'll, I'll do the selling one. The reason why people don't sell partials too much in our business is because they need the cash. They yeah. don't want to wait to get that boom in the future. Absolutely. Um, they, it, we're in a very transactional time in real estate. Nobody wants cash flow, it seems like. Nobody understands cash flow and nobody wants to build on cash flow, it seems like. I know I'm making a, a blanket statement there, but it's what I see and it's true. Everybody wants cash. They want to turn over a deal quickly yep. and just get a cash transaction. ROI, 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 right? They don't want long-term income. Yeah. So that's the reason why you don't pe see people selling a lot of partials, especially seller financiers, the you know, yep. the fix and flippers and the wholesalers and the landlord guys and and the, the new people to the space. Uh, because they they want that money in hand. That's what they want. They don't want long-term income. So we don't see a lot of people buying partials either because they just don't understand the financial calculator benefits of it. Mm. I would yeah. love to buy all partials. Yep. Everything I buy, I would love to buy it. My risk is a lot lower. I'm in it for a shorter period of time as a fund manager. Um, it's the best thing for me and my returns are better. So how do you do that as a fund manager? Because I, I haven't been able to get in my head around that. At the end of the term of my fund, I have to pay back my investors their capital. So how do I, how do I work partials into the fund you you treat it as if you're just buying that part of the loan you're selling that part of the loan so if you bought a 10-year partial and you're six years into the fund and you have to sunset it um, mm -hmm. and you got four years left on it well guess what i'm just going to sell those four years so you just resell that yep. whatever is remaining in the partial i'm doing i'm doing it right now with somebody um, selling right, my partial with thinking. somebody yeah, that's, it's no that's different. Awesome. You you don't want to complicate it. It's just it's a simple. I have an entitlement, sure. and that's what I own. I'm just selling the rest of what's left of my entitlement. So in my case, it's a five year term. So I would have to buy something longer than five years so that I can resell whatever's left. If you Is want, that... or you can buy exactly what you need. That's the beauty of this business. You can do whatever you want. And we'll talk some more offline because I, I want to understand <laughs> that a little better. So what are some of the cool tricks or techniques you've learned buying or selling a partial that um, you know, that could help either a seller or a buyer kind of be more interested in this idea. I understand what do they want? What is their need? What is their problem that you can solve? And if a partial is that solution, how can I, how can I get the numbers in the, to where they're going to want to do the deal? So I can make it a good return for me, but I want to make sure it's a good deal for them because I yeah. do want to buy the partial. But if I know they need $25,000, I better figure out a way to get them $25,000 in hand and me to buy a, a part of that loan to where I still make a good return. And that's, yeah. that's how I would approach it. 
So just for those who are, we haven't posted yet, but our, our next webinar is going to be strictly on the fact that these seller finance people need to see the actual numbers. We're going to break down the numbers um, with uh, our Malo, uh, Mark Ross next week. But understand that Justin has been doing this for so long and he's done a lot of partials um, because of where he came from in his education. But the advanced idea of knowing the fact you can buy and sell, or if you need money up front, you're going to get a cash flow. And if you sell every note, you have a partial of it in five, six years, all of a sudden, you're going to get an influx of money coming in, which is awesome. And you may not need, you may need the money right now to do another deal. And all of a sudden now, you didn't sell the whole note, you only sold part term, and you're going to get a bunch of money in the future. So just be knowledgeable that it may be a better deal as a seller because you're going to get more money because you're going to get the balance of the payments moving forward in five or 10 years. So just start running numbers. We'll show you next week about that details. Um, Justin, when we talk about the partial versus hypothecation, we've had a webinar. What would you say the biggest difference between a partial and a hypothecation or borrowing against a note is? If you want cash today and cash flow today, do a hypothecation. If you want cash today and you want cash flow in the future, then do the partial. The best way I that I do it is the retirement accounts, my partial, and cash, I do hypothecations. Gotcha. So guys out there, think about this, right? If you own, mm -hmm. if you originally didn't know and you need, we stress this a lot because I find these seller finance people out there could take our money and go make 30, 40, 50% on our money. So take advantage of that. Don't be stuck in a spot where you don't have any capital. Sell just part of it, get some capital back up and go do another subject due or another older finance with the money you're going to get from this note that you already have and get that payment in the future. It's super awesome. It's just about understanding the math. And there's a lot of courses out there. We've had webinars on it. Um, I do have an advanced class on it. If you're interested, Justin teaches it too. You can reach out to all of us and say, hey, listen, I'm curious about this. But if you want to share this calculator, you can take advantage of a lot of position you're already in and get cash out quickly. The biggest two things is understand the math and make sure your documentation is clean, right? You got to make sure that documentation is good and solid and that you're servicing it with a licensed servicer. If you're not, we can run into problems. We have to get that sorted out. Um, when you work with these partials, um, what is the most common issues you've seen when you try to either buying or selling that they, they struggle with, they struggle to understand besides the math? Is there anything that the you've seen? I mean, I've seen the people wondering about the servicer part. Is it the math the biggest one? Is there any other concerns or questions people may have? When I'm buying the partial, it's typically because the person um, believes or they really do need all the cash up front. Gotcha. They want all the cash for the entire note that they can get up front because of what mm -hmm. they need to do with the next transaction. So most people aren't able to, um, you know, they're not able to do a partial on every deal, uh, to sell a partial on every deal because they, they need enough capital to, to start doing three or four deals. Yeah. So like when I first start getting into brokering, notes, I, you know what, I, I would try to broker as many as I can. And then when I build up enough cash, I would go buy a note. So then I could start building, you know, my long-term income for myself. So I had to do a balance of both, but okay. yeah, when you're buying it, that's usually the biggest pushback is like, why I want all the money. What, why do I just want 50,000? Mm -hmm. um, so not, it doesn't fit for everybody, but it is, it is a tool. Like we talked about that you need to have in your tool belt ready to use for that situation to solve that problem. Yeah. Um. So 
We're going to talk off air about some kind of bad stuff, but I want you guys to make sure that if you have any questions before we go crazy here, um, get to our final parts of this before we let Justin go, feel free to put in the chat. Um, one of the things we've run into is what are some of the cool options you've seen or tried to put into agreements that may be different than other people? Have you done anything that's a little bit strange or unique, either a if you try selling one or buying one, have you tried anything unique at all? I mean, nothing, nothing super fancy. I have ideas on my head that I can use. The, the last thing I want to do is just completely make the deal lopsided in my favor that the other person is, is holding yeah. the other end of the stick. And I just, I don't want to do a deal like that. Um, you can do a deal like that because you can make, design the paper that way, but sure. I just want to make it a good deal for everybody. So mm -hmm. like I said before, for me, it's about control. So if I'm on the buying side of the partial or the selling side of the partial, I'm going to make sure the documentation says I'm going to handle the heavy lifting for this. And you're just going to receive the cash flow from it or a big boost of income up front. Um, typically it's, you know, I, if I'm buying the partial and it does sell off early, I want to make sure that I just get the payments that I was buying into. So it's almost right. like a, a guarantee that I get those payments. And I'll say, if, it, if I bought 10 years of it and it sells off in year six, I want to make sure that I get 10 years of payments. You know what I'm saying? With that yeah, interest. Because I want that rate of return that I that I, that I I want. Because that's what I banked on. And that's why I ran my numbers and managing a fund. Obviously, you want to know what that predictability is. And then on the other side of the fence, you know, I want to make sure if it sells off early and I'm on the back end of it, that, you know, the person, wherever it sells off at, that's where you stop the entitlement schedule and they get, you know, the UPP that they're owed for that. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. So uh, we'll give you a shout out here and a plug. Uh, you're going to be at Node Expo in six weeks. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. You're awesome. speaking at that one. I am not speaking unless somebody oh, yeah. asked me at the last minute, but no, I'll, I'll be observing that weekend. So Okay. Well, still, if people want to come see you in person, you'll get oh, yeah. be there and it's I will a great be there. conference. So yeah, I'll be there as well. So we'll, we'll. And we'll be in a few we'll weeks having uh, Bobby awesome. pass on. They'll be talking more about Node Expo. For those who are curious in a few weeks, we'll be actually having Bob on just to talk more about that. If you're curious, that'll be, uh, we'll be having him on the beginning of October uh and in uh expos in november so yeah first weekend in november so plug shout out for that uh yeah make sure you check that out as well absolutely so we're always curious we like to kind of finish off these uh these interviews these discussions with with your background and experience and what you've been doing and what you've been seeing where where do you see the note business going where are we headed well <laughs> i don't have a crystal ball but if my gut tells me don't count on a lot of non-performing loans to come through right now. Um, I think if you are, have a lot of capital and you're really experienced, I think the non-performing commercial space is going to be mm. a game changer for you next, next spring, next summer. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens, but that's my anticipation. Uh, we're trying to ramp up our fund to be in that game as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, I, I can see a lot of turnover happening in the commercial space pretty, pretty soon. Yeah. Gotcha. Agreed. So I think seller financing is is going to continue to be strong ever, you know, ever since after the the Great Recession. Uh, it's every year it's continued to build to get stronger. Uh, now people like us are out here educating and being in ambassadors for you know good documentation, good underwriting, and how to do things the right way. So people like us can buy the paper in the secondary market, and then all of us benefit from it. 
Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a big push right now. And I think it's going to get better. Right. I think so. I think, you know, collectively we're kind of reaching a lot of people and I think that's a big deal. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to continue, but no, I appreciate your, right. your thoughts on that. I agree. I think commercial non-performing commercial is uh, not far away. Yeah. We did have one other question before we disconnect uh, from Andrew asking, what if an investor says they want 25 K upfront and they will pay back in 60 days, give payments forward for a period. I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Um, we're not doing the, you know, you give me a dollar today, I give you a cheeseburger Tuesday kind of thought process. It's, it's, I'm exchanging money for a period of payments. Um, I'm not sure if that clarifies Andrew for you. Um, they don't, uh, they say they put 25 grand up front and then pay back in 60 days. I'm not sure. Andrew, if you want to clarify that, we can definitely jump on and answer It that. almost sounds like a hard money loan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you could do anything in the note business. Uh, you said his name was Andrew. Yeah, you could yep. do really anything. It's all about documentation, how you run the math, and does the deal work for Nathan and me, or Dave yep. and Nathan, yep. or you know whatever? Does you know the both parties involved have got to agree to? It's like buying and selling a house. The value is what they agree on. It's yep. not what uh, you know appraiser says. It's yep. whatever they agree on. Yeah, as absolutely. long as everybody understands it and yep. we agree on it, you can pretty much do it. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. I, I was gonna mentioned uh, about what I see happening and what I've been seeing happening is the the evolution of the wholesaler is becoming more of a hybrid wholesaler now to where yeah. they're not just a transactional wholesaler they're they're understanding cash flow so we have several wholesalers across the country that are working with us and they're and they're getting mentorship kind of from us on how to set things up and they're able to figure out ways to do deals that other wholesalers can't sell because there's not uh -huh. enough margin in there. And so with them uh, creating seller finance notes, they're able to do transactional deals with the complexity of a seller finance note and having us buy them kind of at the funding table or the, or the month after. Not sure. that, that's something new that we've been seeing that probably past two two years a lot more. That's yeah, cool. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Wholesalers are, are different animal now than they were five, 10 years ago. Look at um, the margins everywhere in, in like, you know, the yep. Midwest where I live in Indiana. Yep. The mm -hmm. margins are just, they're just so thin because fix and flippers, they, 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 there's so much cost for them now that sure. they're not making any money. I don't know how they're making money right now, unless they're yeah. doing large projects. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, uh, Justin, I appreciate you joining us on Friday afternoon. Oh, you're welcome. Um, we'll definitely be in touch. I'm sure. Uh, Justin has a great Facebook group. He does live feeds. Make sure you jump in there. Um, and just reach out to him, right? Justin's been around for a long time. He's very knowledgeable. Um, go check him out. Say hello to him at Note Expo. Um, yeah. And uh, if you have any additional questions, um, go ahead and post it in the feed. Reach out to Justin via email. You'll see the, the link inside the chat. And uh, we'll go from there. Again, we'll disconnect from the live. We appreciate everyone tuning in and asking questions. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, see you next time, guys.